0: What's up, everybody? This is your boy DJ Ben Amin, and welcome to another episode of Fan Bros. But before we get into this, you need to go over to the iTunes page, subscribe, hit us on YouTube, subscribe, follow us on Facebook, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, do all that good stuff. Like us on Facebook, like us on on Facebook. Facebook. (laughs) All right, let me try one. Let me try one. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle.
1: What's up, internets? Welcome to another Fan Bros Special Delivery. This is Chico Leo flying high in the escape pod above the Brooklyn Night, And I'm joined, of course, by...
0: DJ ben Amin, Babyface, Khrushchev, Wakanda's favorite DJ in the building tonight. The spaceship, I mean, of course. What's up, Chico? How you doing, sir?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Had uh, had quite quite the weekend. Uh, there was there was a lot going on. Uh, there, we had a free comic book day, and uh, I believe a uh, major motion picture opened up. Yes, it
0: did. Big shout out to all the fan bros who joined us at Bergen Street Comics. Good to see all you live in person. Me and Chico also got to cop some comics and some donuts from, uh, is that Donut Factory? Donut Plant. Donut Plant, there we go. Big shout out to Donut Plant. Yeah,
1: our artisan oh. donuts.
0: Oh, Lord have mercy. So good. Yeah. So good. So, yeah, so yeah.
1: Saturday, it was a beautiful day. Um, you know, the, I remember going to comic conventions and, you know, they would give out, like, you know, two or three issues of a comic and it was, like, a big deal. I, I mean, Free Comic Book Day was really, really dope if you're a comic book fan. I mean, they... they I mean, I, I feel like almost every title, uh, you know, d- uh, was, being, uh, was being given away. I mean, where we were, by the time we got there, there were more kids stuff, but when I saw from people's halls on Twitter... Uh I mean there were a lot of dope comics being given out. Most definitely uh, every
0: company pretty much gave away at least one comic or more. So there was a lot of stuff. Secret Wars tipped off from Marvel, a lot of good joints. Like I say, big shout out to Bergen Street Comics who laced me up Chico, you also got something really nice
1: from Bergen. What was that? So, in addition to all the free comics, and I got—I mean, I'm talking about like twelve, thirteen—you know—comics. Not all, you know, most of which were not kids' titles, so I didn't take—you know—I didn't take those. But I got a, a Conan collection of all the Dark Horse uh, Conans, all in one nice oversized hardcover. Um, it was really fat uh, in every sense of the word. Um, I mean, I, I think it probably weighed in at like twenty pounds, but. Um, it had all all the Dark Horse run of Conan. There was like 51 issues, uh, most of which were written by Kurt Busiek, uh, and, and Tim Truman was the other writer, a bunch of different artists. Carrie Nord is the main artist, I believe Carrie Nord. And um, I'm, I read three of the issues in there already, and uh, they're really dope. Dope, dope, yeah. dope.
0: So once again, yeah, big shout-out to Birkin Street Comics, everybody who joined us for a free comic but day. Really dope event, like it is every year. I like to see all the kids stuff because it's good to see, you know, comics getting involved with kids and all the kids in the store reading comics. It was really a dope event.
1: Yeah, I did. Loved I did it. grab one. I got. I grabbed Cleopatra in Space or something like that. It which was a kids <laughs> comic. Um, I haven't read it yet, um, but I, I grabbed that, and uh, I grabbed, I guess Doctor Who isn't, in I grabbed a Doctor Who, but yeah, no, so, Free Comic Day, and uh, Donut to Donut Plant, but before that, uh, I believe you saw the big movie of the week? Yeah, you know, Pitch Perfect 2 hasn't
0: hit yet, so <laughs> I had to check out this other joint that premiered this weekend, Avengers Age of Ultron. And I'm not going to spoil anything right away. No spoiler alert needed. I will definitely say you need to check it out for yourself. I loved it overall. It was a very good movie. Right up there with the first one. There's been a few, I'd say, divisive moments or character ideas. Some people weren't really feeling Spader as Ultron. I'll say that off the top. Me personally, I definitely thought it was... A different take on Ultron than we've seen before, I'll say. But very ill and interesting take, and I think more people in repeated viewings will like it more. I could be wrong, but we'll see.
1: And how does it stand up next to the Age of Ultron comic book series?
0: I mean, that's like asking how does, you know, darkness shine up to light? You know, how, how does good shine up to evil? You know, how does life shine up to death? Like, that's just not even a question. It's leagues above it, to say the least. It's amazing. Uh, I think it's a good-ass movie. You know, like, I really think the first Avengers is one of the best movies, one of the best comic book movies ever. So it's really tough to compare it to that. But at the same time, I think it does stand on its own. It's a lot of setup for what's coming next, too, but I think every Marvel movie is going to face that problem right now because they're always going to be setting up, you know, the next Marvel movie because they want to keep winning, and this is still a win. There's no taking it away from Marvel. Like, as the weekend numbers have come in, the money is being made, overall response is loving it. Like I say, go see it. Go see it on a big screen. Read C's review on Fanbros if you want more without spoilers. And I'd say the same thing, skip the 3D. Definitely skip 3D. See it on a big-ass screen, though.
1: Yeah, I gotta say, um, so I haven't seen it yet. I've only seen positive but vague reviews, like, on Twitter. And just shout-out to everyone... You know, there are times when your faith in humanity can be, uh, you know, shattered. But it is really dope that, you know, pretty much everyone on Twitter has seen it, it seems like. And no one is giving away any spoilers. And I just, I do think that's dope. I mean, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because when we were talking about Daredevil, I was saying, yo, you know, but that was like two weeks later. And so I do think there needs to be a grace period. Um, you know, and I feel like for a movie, a week is a good, uh, you know, grace period, maybe even a little less for a movie like this because people have known about it for so long and people, you know, some people had tickets like two months ago, but, um, yeah, no, I'm psyched to see it. Um, I did end up watching guardians of the galaxy again on Friday night and, and, uh, that held up really well. So I did have a, have my own, uh, Marvel movie night.
0: Most definitely. Now, I, like I say, run out and see it as soon as possible. We'll definitely be talking about it much more on this week's Fanbro show because I know Tatiana's seen it, so I got to hear her take on it. Right? Tatiana went and with her mom, I believe. Dope. Yeah. Dope. A family so, affair. So, yeah. It was, I, I love seeing it on Thursday night because the crowd was crazy, just like in the first one. I can't even talk about the best lines. But I can say the best crowd reaction was Josh, what the fuck? And that's all I can right. say because, <laughs> like, but you'll know that moment when you get to it. I promise you that. And this had movie, one of those codas Chico. at the
1: end, like after the credits.
0: Yeah, definitely. Not too much in it. More of a setup right. for what's coming and something that we've already seen, but. The crowd screamed with joy, as did I. Right. So, yeah. All right, Chico. It was a lot from the movies, but we got to get into the TV this
1: week. So, we are, uh, you know, cruising right along. Uh, We're 40% of the way through uh, Season 5 of Game of Thrones. Uh, Episode 4 premiered tonight, uh, titled Sons of the Harpy. Um, which is uh, the uh, militant uh, group in Marine, the town that, or the city that uh, Daenerys is uh, ruling over tenuously. I was also wondering, I was trying to figure out if Sons of the Harpy, the name, if it meant more, um, Harpy can be a negative term for like a, you know, like a bitchy woman. And I was thinking maybe, you know, Jamie Lannister could be considered, or no, he's not the son of the Harpy, but no, the um, Tommen who is uh, Cersei's son, could be considered sort of a son of a harpy, but I couldn't figure out mm. anyone else who, who met that definition. But what did you think? I thought the episode was what I've been
0: FM waiting for all season, dog. Like, wow. Like, I can't even, you know, we don't want to spoil too much, and we don't want to rehash everything, but this is what, like, if you've been listening to Special Delivery, this is what I have been waiting for. And I mean that in every sense of the word. This episode
1: was beyond oof, like the fight Lord. scenes, or because there were a couple of good good fight scenes. But be, I mean, wha- how skip is th- I the mean, fight look, I-, I thought it was dope. But skip the fight scenes. So you Geico. were waiting for the the sisters of the sand or the, the the no oh
0: that that I mean I was waiting for all that. But you know what killed it, dog, was Stanis in this episode.
1: Oh, good, Stannis. yeah, absolutely. Stan, oh baratheon, my yeah. god yeah he was really dope so you're talking about the speech to I his mean, daughter what thug tears Chico. yeah thug
0: tears like
1: oh stanis yeah, no, man
0: I, like no no go
1: go because i i completely agree
0: yeah no i mean folks fan bros out there stanis baratheon delivers a speech to his daughter when she asked him if she's if he's proud of her, if he loves her, and he delivers a speech telling her about when she got the straw on her face. And it is just one of the most humanizing moments we've probably ever seen on Game of Thrones. And it just turned I always kinda effed with Stannis. You know, and it's really weird because in like um the eyes of Brienne, you know, Stannis is the devil. Right. But then, you know, in the eyes of his daughter, Stannis is, you know, daddy. And you really see that in this episode, and it really makes you see how the Game of Thrones, it's like, there's no real good or evil here, you know? There's just a a lot of real game going on, and it just depends on your perception, who is good, who is evil. And in this episode, man, Stannis just earned my vote, if he hadn't already, so wow.
1: And he always had Ned Stark's vote, you know? Like, Ned Stark was an honorable dude, and Ned Stark supported... Stannis, and that's why he got killed. Um, Mm. You know, he supported Stannis over Joffrey, as anyone who's, you know, sane would. Um, But yeah, I I had always, I mean, Stannis was always an interesting character, but he was so sort of almost robotic. And I I completely agree. I, I thought that was an incredible speech. I mean, a lot of Game of Thrones, even though there are great set pieces and crazy action scenes, it's it's often scenes just between two people in a room that are like the changing point, you know, on on, uh, you know, when when things kick into gear or huge plots change. Um, so, yeah, a lot a lot happened on this show. Uh, like uh, Ben said, yeah, that was the centerpiece was a really great scene. It also elevated to me the daughter. She had been such a sort of supporting character. And now I'm starting to realize, yeah, she has royal blood. Like, Stannis could die, and she could end up on the Iron Throne, which was something that, you know, I had never really thought about. Um, You know, she does have... True indeed. You know, like, uh, so, yeah, I mean, things are shifting for everyone. Um, They're shifting for, you know, Stannis. They're shifting for Daenerys. They're shifting for Cersei. Cersei has teamed up with the High Sparrow and his uh, legion of um, sort of psycho monks, Um, and they, they kidnapped, uh, Marjorie's brother, Loras, and as well as, you know, busted up Littlefinger's brothel and killed a whole bunch of people, beat a whole bunch of people up. It was like taking the Jesus throwing the money lenders out of the temple to like the nth degree. Um, and, uh, Marjorie has found out that, you know, her son has no power really against his mother, so there's definitely, I mean, things have been simmering from, you know, day one between Marjorie and Cersei. And uh, also, notice Cersei sent Marjorie's father to go to um, Bravo's to deal with the bankers. And she sent Sir Marin, who's basically her hitman, um, with him. So I, I, that might be the last uh, we ever saw of that dude. Um, because, you know, take away her father, you know, take away her brother. I mean, that's all the males I think in her family, um, which would be a, you know, a huge coup. Yeah, definitely. And that's crazy. I
0: didn't even think about that, that she's like now the only remaining power to that throne, you know, cause they're definitely done. My man is not coming back from the iron bank. That's, that's the end of him. The brother might not make it out of that because Tommen is such a punk. But speaking on what you were saying earlier about how the show moves around, you know, two people in a room. Another big moment was Jon Snow and um the woman in red. Man, like, that was a rough one right there for Mr. Snow. Like, he, you know, tough choices in that last line. yo, know, Melisandre is a straight up demon. Like, I don't, I don't it's, it's really weird because she seems to serve this lord of light. And sometimes she seems on, you know, she's on the side of Stannis, who I met with. But, man, like, you know, she's kind of like, ugh, just evil. You know, how are you going to come with that line to John? Like, grimy, man. Yeah, this, this show, you know, will never let you forget how grimy it is. And, you know, like we said, there's the two moments of just people in a room in this episode. But also the big things I've been waiting for. The Sisters of the Sand finally appear, looking dope, looking ill. They join their mom, who wants revenge. There was also a great moment, Chico, where the one sister is talking about how she uh, first met Oberyn. And he tells her to choose her mother's tears or choose the spear. And that's a great shout-out back to Lone Wolf and Cub, where the son is told to choose the ball and join your mother in death, or choose the sword, and you join me. So, dope, you know, shout out to everybody who caught that out there.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I had heard about them from the book, so my understanding, one of them is her daughter, and the other two are two other uh, daughters of Oberon, yep. but not by her, because he had many, many, many lovers. Cause as Bron said, all the people from Bravos, all they want to do is fucking fight, <laughs> um, which we saw him doing a lot of last season. Yeah, uh, basically b- both those things, and you know he seems to do them both well. Um, so yeah, the the, do- uh, the, the um, sisters of the sand were definitely dope, and uh, so there they want to start a war between Bravos and King's Landing. Uh, because they they're you know they, that family hates the Lannisters um, even before Oberyn getting killed they uh, blame the Lannisters for the rape and death of Oberyn's sister so there's no love loss there and Cersei's daughter is uh, engaged to the uh, to Oberyn's brother who rules Dorne. So, if they want to kill the daughter and then start a war. And meanwhile, Jamie and Bronn have shown up in Dorne to rescue the daughter and have already, uh, yeah, and have already killed, you know, four or five guys.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that was one of the big fight scenes of the episode. And the other big fight scene that ended the episode and really just set things into full blast swing. Is uh, Sir Barastian,
1: Barrist- Barristan. Sir Barristan Selmy?
0: Yeah, Sir Barristan Selmy, who was singing perhaps what might be his swan song.
1: And yeah, I, I mean that's what it, that's what it looks like from the previews for the next episode. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I don't think that's the song that Daenerys wanted him to sing. So no, yeah, like I said, I think by next episode, man, this show is gonna be on full tilt. Like I, this was all I wanted. So I'm hyped for next episode, man. Like I, I can't front. I was trying to not feeling it, but this is the one. So
1: yeah, I feel like this happens every season where there's a lot of setup, and then you get all these wheels in motion. Um, Littlefinger has left Sansa. Sansa's gonna marry um, Roose Bolton's uh, bastard son, who's like who spent a whole season torturing Theon, Ugh. and. You know, you got to admire Littlefinger. Like, he did come from nothing, and he's definitely a major player. I mean, at any at any step, you know, someone could discover his, you know, betrayal. And he doesn't have a big house behind him. He doesn't have an army. He just has his, you know, golden tongue. I mean, he's like the old... And he's a pimp. I mean, he's the ultimate pimp. And, um, you know, so he's whispering in Sansa's ear, and now he's going to go back to Cersei. And it looks like he now thinks Stannis is going to win. So, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's like Grime worm Wormtongue on steroids.
0: <laughs> yeah, hold up.
1: But before we get
0: out, if you want to shout about pimps, you got to shout out to Jorah and his pimp hand so strong this episode. Because he put Lil Tyrion to sleep right. with the backhand. Yeah. Like, right. no problem. All that talk, that's cool. But meet this backhand over here. right? And good night.
1: So it does look like if in fact Sir Barristan Selmy has met, you know, sang his last song, I mean Jorah Mormont showing up <laughs> might be good timing for uh, Daenerys Targaryen. I mean, uh, let's hope that uh, Grey Worm is around to sing some more songs.
0: Definitely. I think both I know uh, well, uh, we'll see, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, well,
1: we'll we'll I mean we will see. I I mean the one thing this might sound like an absurd criticism, but you know, the Unsullied are these really dope warriors. And I would have thought they wouldn't have been using their spears in that they would have, like, you know, set them aside because all that whole city is all these really narrow streets. (laughs) And, like, the dudes that attacked them attacked them with knives, and they definitely weren't able to, like, use their spears correctly in, like, the enclosed space. And I just thought they would have known that and would have been patrolling with little swords, and then things might have gone differently but um yeah, well, you know that, maybe they, that's the way the cookie crumbled. <laughs> well,
0: maybe they should have chosen the tears
1: then in that right. case because instead of the spears. Yeah. yeah, well they got a lot of they got a lot of tears cuz they brought their spears.
0: <laughs> oh man. All right, well that's it for Game of Thrones. Now moving on to some other shows that were on this week.
1: Right. So Orphan Black continues. Orphan Black is the third episode of the of season 3 and it's called formalized complex and costly which I'm at this point I I just don't know if they just are picking words like scrabble tiles <laughs> out of the out of the bag cuz I'm not even going to try and I mean you know clearly I know why the game of thrones episode was called sons of the harpy um by the way, that was Sons of the Harpy in Game of Thrones, uh, who who ended up taking out Barristan Selmy and possibly Grey Worm. But I got no idea why this one was called formalized, complex, and costly. Um, there's a lot a lot going on in Orphan Black, and um, I definitely am much more on my you know on my Orphan Black game than I was in Episode One. <coughs> but um, yeah, I mean things are st- all over the place there. Um, all right, mostly in a good way. But um, I still think, I mean, the, the show's strongest thing is, is Tatiana Maslany's performances, because after that, I mean, it, it, it's really, you know, dense. I mean, you're talking, there's female clones, there's male clones, there's shadowy organizations, multiple shadowy organizations, and, um, you know, a lot of action. No,
0: definitely. It's, I mean, I say that again and again, you hit it right on the nail. This is probably the most dense show That I've watched since Lost. Like, there's not... It's very... It's so much going on. And like you said, Tatiana Maslany just murders it every episode. But this episode definitely had, you know, it, it streamlined it a little bit. You got to... There's some big reveals, which I really didn't think come off as, like, such a big reveal. The real big one for this episode is that the male and the female clones are brother and sister... And I kind of already assumed that or I thought they came from a married pair, you know, one or the other. So I figured they came from a married pair. So it wasn't really like brother and sister was that big of a deal to me. It was more like, uh, okay. but the episode did move along each individual storyline. And I mean, it's just Tatiana because, you know, when she's Helena and she's sitting there with Paul and she's threatening to kill him and talking about. You know, you already had Rachel and Sarah, you know, why don't you come in up in here and get some of this? And she just feels like a completely different woman than she is when Allison is over there, you know, doing her drug-dealing, soap-selling business with her husband. It's just incredible work by her every episode.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's definitely... and. That's the problem with them introducing the male clones is the dude is strong is a strong actor, but he just isn't up to her. I mean, you know, you know, we're in, you know, 35 episodes in or something. And it's still amazing to watch her as all the different characters. I mean, I was even looking for a long time at the poster on the subway, which is Helena and Sarah trying. And and they I mean, you can tell it's the same actress, but there's so many differences in their faces. Like, you know, it's definitely really, really an an amazing singular, singular achievement that goes above and beyond, you know, like even like, you know, Emmy winning. Um, But yeah, so the the big reveal was that the clones are all brother and sister. They all came from the same background. I guess at some point in the series, the two sets of clones are going to team up. And go you know, I would I would assume, but right now the male clones are definitely working for this strange sort of mother figure. I mean that's that's the other thing. I mean they've they've got their mother figure, the female clones have a mother figure and Mrs. S, you know, um there's a lot of parallels. Um I don't know, they look like they're in another country. They're like in, in the Middle East somewhere.
0: That's what's been bugging me out because I've been trying to figure out how the hell are they flying back from wherever they are to right. get back to Sarah And then in Canada, right? Because it's something like, it looks like the Middle East, but they made that trip pretty quick. Right. Uh, Another big moment is in this episode is my man, Art, with his non-changing face, non-changing expression, declares his love for Beth and also, you know, through that for Sarah because, like you said, Sarah has the same fire in her like Beth. You know, she most resembles Beth to him. And right. so, you know, Art is basically saying, I still love you. And that's why Chico answering your question about what is Art doing on his off time. It's being in love with Sarah and ignoring right. his other cop duties because he's spending all his time trying to, you know, stay close to Sarah. So,
1: yeah, I mean, that—that that, that's the one thing. I mean, they, they have all these balls in the air and they keep introducing, you know, new characters. And then I feel like Art and Felix haven't had as much to do. Most definitely.
0: And also, real quick, got to shout out Art, because he. there was a lot of great lines in this episode, but Art had one of my favorites of all time, and it involved your boy Felix, and it, yeah. it was, this is a body, not a bag of weed.
1: <laughs> but Felix's response was dope. He said, if you look the other way, it'll go up in smoke just like that. <laughs>
0: So that's the great thing about them. Like even right. when they don't have the most character development, Felix is always going to be. Yeah, <laughs> that's a classic response. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, he definitely has the dope the dope lines, and you know he's an honorary member of Clone Club. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I that was the. I mean, I don't know if I really would have bought that. Art would have seen them, you know, dissolving a body in acid or doing whatever it was they were doing. You know, and still been so uh, so cool with it. Art but, is um, right
0: at this point about to throw on his Superman cape and do whatever it takes to save Sarah. So he's... I guess so. Yeah, he's far past that point,
1: dog. Like, does he know about Cal? And Cal and Kira went off at the end of the second season. They're, like, in hiding. But I don't even know if Art knows about Cal. Mm, true, indeed. Yeah, I don't know. So maybe he thinks he still has a shot. Yeah, that, that's what it is, you know. And I mean, you know,
0: Sarah, you know, she'll, you know, Cal, he's good for the time being, but who knows who she? Well, end he's up Kira's with.
1: dad too, so true, he, you know, true. he, you know, she definitely wants to keep him around. You know, I mean. And he, you know, he does have dope apartments and, you know.
0: <laughs> and he's also the lover of Calisi in another universe. So, you know. Exactly. The man's got yeah, game in general.
1: He, yeah, he he does seem to have game. There's no doubt. He does uh, get. It's funny because he was on Treme and he actually had and then lost uh, one of the doper female characters on Treme. Um, but then he found he found a new lady in a in a Vietnamese fisherwoman. Um so it all ended up good for him. He stays
0: winning in every universe. He does
1: stay winning, it's true. It's a really good point. That guy's uh you know, batting average for, you know, dope T V ladies is very high. He's a champ in fan bros world. All right, well,
0: I think that's about it for Orphan Black. What else we got this week, Chico?
1: So, all right, we got uh premiering this week was a show that we no. covered last season, which was Penny Dreadful, no. and I just want to say, I know, um, I never found it dreadful at the first season. You, you probably, you, you, from what you said, found it pretty dreadful. I know Kimson was really into it. I was somewhat into it first season, um, but then I actually caught, um, like, four episodes in a row when they were rerunning them last, like, either last week or, you know, in anticipation of the premiere, maybe it was last weekend, and I gotta say, this more than a lot of shows is a show that works much better in, like, a binge viewing than in, like, the week in, week out, just checking in for, like, a chapter, and... I you know in the all right so the season the season premiere the first episode Penny Dreadful is a show that's set in Victorian London that basically takes you know the werewolf Dracula Frankenstein um, Oscar Wilde, Wy- not Oscar Wilde Dorian Gray uh, which is a character written by Oscar Wilde um, and all those and and sets them in Whitechapel which is where uh, Jack the Ripper had just finished ki- killing a bunch of prostitutes. And it's very, very well shot and looks really good and is really moody, but it's really slow. Um, And it has this, like, lugubrious air. But somehow when you're watching it, like, several episodes in a row, it definitely works better than when you're sort of... It's jarring to check in and out every week in a way that it just isn't with Game of Thrones or Orphan Black or a lot of the other shows. So I would almost say I I would recommend Penny Dreadful, but almost only in the in the binge watching uh, binge watching category, you know, as opposed to, you know, week in, week out.
0: I think that's a great idea right there, Chico. And for this season, I think that's what I'm going to have to do, because I really cannot deal with this show. I tried once again to I watched all the first season. I enjoyed it, like you say, it's beautifully shot, it's well acted, it's well directed, cinematography, all that's top notch, but it just really moves at such a slow pace, and it really ignores to me what are the best parts of it, like we took a whole season to see my man actually turn into the werewolf, and that's like, ugh, come on, that's all everybody wants to see, like, let's be for real, there's no good acting in the world, you know, they can save it from having Dude knowingly be the werewolf and you wait a whole season for it. So, I'm going to check in and out with this one. We'll see if the Fan Bros want us to cover it. Like I say, I noticed the first episode, so I know it's more of a setup. Anything else you want to add to it?
1: Um, You know, I mean, if you, li- if you like that stuff, I mean, it definitely delivers. I mean, this episode, uh, they got attacked by a trio of witches who were like these naked, bald women. Um, Dr. Frankenstein is in the process of building the Bride of Frankenstein for Frankenstein. And there was definitely like a really creepy, weird necrophilic scene where he was like stroking her body while it was like underwater or in formaldehyde. That was about as creepy as anything I've seen. Um, so it definitely, if you're into that, you know, um, genre of stuff, it definitely does deliver, but it does on like a slightly different pace. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of on the opposite end of something like True Blood. Um, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick with it unless I just decide to wait until, you know, and, and watch the whole thing. Um, but uh, it, it, it's definitely an acquired taste, but I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, like like you said, we'll, we'll see if we're going to cover it week week to week. But, you know, it's a quality show, but, you know, some things are not for everyone. Um, the Flash, on the other hand, does seem to be for everyone as that, you know, has come out, of, you know, it's almost the first season's almost over and... Uh, it's just been getting, you know, glow, glowing, well-deserved well, well deserved glowing reviews. It really hurts my seizo-
0: uh, feelings that the season is almost over, man, because, wow, like, it, this show has just been definitely right up there with Daredevil this year, have just been two of the best TV shows for superheroes ever in existence. This episode was right up there with the high quality that I've come to expect. There was, like, that one-week episode a couple weeks, weeks ago, but other than that, From the midpoint of this season on, it has just been an incredible ride. We get so many reveals this week. The whole Flash squadron is now knowing that Wells is Reverse Flash. Iris knows... And that he's from the future. Yes, that he's from the future. They've seen the future of the Flash. We got to see Flash in his brighter red costume that everybody complained he should have been in. We see Iris figuring out that Barry's the Flash... Finally. I mean, it took her a while, but, you know, that's finally over, so we can stop complaining about that. We see Edwin, or, I mean, uh, Eobard meet um, the his grandfather. What's my... Eddie Thawne. Eddie Thawne, yeah, Edwin, yeah, Ed, Eobard. So, that's setting up what could be him becoming Zoom, or Dr. Zoom, or the Nets Reverse Flash, whatever. We got the future once again, like you said, so you know that Impulse is coming. There's just so much they're setting up. And then even next week, we got Grod finally make his big appearance. And, yo, I, man, listen, dawg, this show is the
1: effing best. Yeah, no, they, I mean, they they really, they captured everything, and... I remember telling people like back in the 90s when Mark Wade was writing Flash when people were like asking for recommendations and I was like yo the Flash is you know like and he, and it's not a character that necessarily to non-comic book readers is going to jump out but they really captured the vibe of 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 the of the comic and of the characters and um yeah, I mean, prop, props, I mean, look, uh, DC's, you know, been having a rough time, I think they're they're going to continue to have a rough time, and, um, you know, the Flash is definitely a bright spot in their, uh, you know, quiver of arrows.
0: Ah, uh, nice play there, but... Um, yes. Before we get out of here, speaking of DC having a rough time, I think you had something to say about uh, Gotham?
1: Yeah, so Gotham seemed like, you know, it had rounded a corner and they they put together like a really some really great storylines, um a lot of which revolved around um uh, what you know what what's fish mooney um and then uh, they just completely shit the bed and honestly, at this point, like Gotham has had a lot of chances and there, there there's a good show in there, but I feel like yeah, I mean Gotham doesn't deserve Fambros talking about it the way the way the last couple of episodes went. Um, I mean, I know it's coming back and we're, we're definitely, I'm going to continue watching it, but yeah, I, you know, um, they need they,
0: they
1: yeah, they need to get their act together at, at, at Gotham and you know, fish Mooney not coming back is not the way to do that. I will definitely say, um, so yeah, yo, I mean for until further notice until they round a the corner again, I think, uh. You know, Gotham is uh, persona non grata at the Fan (laughs) Bros. I second that emotion. So, uh, anything
0: else before we get out of here, Chico?
1: No, I think that's it. Uh, You know, live long and prosper.
0: Most definitely. Big shout out to everybody. Make sure you check out FanBros.com. Subscribe on SoundCloud. Check us out on Twitter. YouTube. We got some big stuff coming to YouTube. I'm not even going to talk about it, but you'll see it this week. So, check that on out. And other than that, peace, uh, God bless, and good night.